Hello, and welcome to the Four Parents Podcast. I am Ivy Lassiter, and I host these conversations. So pop in your earbuds and multitask while we talk about parenting things, lessons learned, funny stories, and practical wisdom from normal people who have been there. I'm talking with my friend, Victoria. She and her husband and three kids live in Virginia. But prior to that, she was married to Jonas until he was tragically killed on August 6, 2011 in Afghanistan. Jonas was a part of SEAL Team 6. August 6, 2011 marks the most devastating day in SEAL Team 6 history, as well as the single largest loss of life for U.S. Special Forces since the war in Afghanistan began in October 2001. In this episode, Victoria shares her story of how she grieved, how she moved forward, and the ways she is compelled to help other military families. Her story will probably cause you to cry. I did. I think it's an important story for us to hear because it gives us perspective, which might cause us to think a little differently. And so I'm honored to share her story with you here. In 2011, I was in the middle of grad school, actually. So I was working towards my PhD in interpersonal communication. And my, my dissertation was studying support. So how we provide and elicit support during times of non-normative stress. So essentially like tragedy. So I was mm-hmm. specifically studying military families at the time and wounded warriors, people who endured loss. So why it's like awkward to kind of give support to people when they're really suffering. And so that was something I was studying at that time. And it was summertime. I, um, my late husband was uh, overseas, he was deployed, and I had decided to go home to my hometown to visit with my family who still lived there and some friends that were there. And I decided to spend the night at my younger sister's place. Um, and, and normally I'm at my parents' house all the time, but I decided to spend the night at my younger sister's, sister's place. And the next morning I was driving back to my parents' um, home and I remembered that um, I didn't have any music on. It was very odd for me to drive without the radio on. And I remember driving back that morning and not having the music on um, and just kind of making note of it. Like, oh, that's weird um, that I didn't have any music or radio or or news or anything on. And I pulled into the neighborhood and into my mom's street. um, And then as I was pulling in the driveway, I noticed there was a strange car parked out front. And I... Thought, well, that's weird. You know, whose car is parked right in front of our house? Um, and I walked inside the house and I was greeted by my mom who was just falling. Oh my gosh. And I was like, you know, what is going on? And, and I don't remember what she said. I remember her just talking to me and just looking at her, going, like, what is wrong? But then seeing these men that were behind her mm. and looking at them, um, realizing that they were all in uniform. Yeah. And I don't know how long it took me to kind of put two and two together, but um, I finally started to recognize one of the faces of the guys, and he was a friend um, of ours. Um, and as soon as I realized it, I walked out of the room um, and just kind of fell to my knees. And, and he walked over and he was like, "Victoria, I need to talk to you." And and I was like, no, you know, and he said, um, there, 
there's been uh, an incident and um and he said you know um their helicopter was shut down and i thought in my head i thought well that means that there's a chance that he's alive you know so i i said oh, was he okay and he was um no and um it's like he's not in i mean I'm sure at that moment I went numb, you know, I, I, but what I remember shortly thereafter is I said, uh, well, what about, and I started listing his teammates, people that I knew that we were close with, you know, and he, he goes, no, no, he's not okay. No, he's not okay. And he goes, and I had gotten through a couple of names and he was Victoria. There were no survivors. Oh. And, I mean, I was already, you know, in shock and sucker punched, you know, had my heart broken, but that was just like something I couldn't quite comprehend. I was like, what? Um, And so from that moment, I mean, my life completely changed, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. I was... uh, surrounded by my family thankfully both my sisters still lived in that area so they immediately came to the house um I spent that day having to call family and friends and and tell them I don't even know if I got the words out um I remember a few of the conversations but um but I remember just being like how is this my life like what is going on you know and um yeah it was from that day forward I kind of because it was a group tragedy it was very unique I mean it shook our community our military community was just as stunned as we are right you don't hear about these things like a helicopter of all these guys getting shot down and nobody surviving and so you know obviously it was all over the news so I was answering texts from people going you know is he okay is your husband okay and me like not knowing how to reply like no he's not you know I um but but the whole community was shook and so it was all these people trying to figure out how do we support all these families right at one time Right. right and um for people who are in the military or even you know in the um police force or firemen people in those types of brotherhoods I say brotherhoods because I know that there's women that serve as well but for our community it was all it was all guys that were on yeah. the helicopter so they are like brothers right and they support yeah. one another and so when you have loss typically the ones that are surrounding the families afterwards are those guys that are really close and worked with them right uh-huh. yeah um and those guys all passed and right. so um there is this question, you know, not the question, but this need for everybody to kind of come together right. and really support our families. And they did, you know, they, they came out because there was other people they worked with over the years or they knew. And so friends, and then obviously, you know, you have your friends from college or hometown or, or whatever. And so those people obviously stepped up. Um, but that was, that was hard to not have that type of support from right. the guys who were with them. Um, right. Right. overseas and whatnot and so um I I remember what kind of like moving through the motions of going to all these funerals and 
and looking at all these. Mm-hmm. How many people was it? How many how many there guys was, were on that? There were 30 people on the helicopter. Um, and that includes the air crew. And of the 30 people, 22 of them were from our military community. And um, so for you, it's like, I think, I think for me as a civilian, like I don't, I think I want, I want a better understanding of like yeah. those guys and their families were family to you, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they their family to each other, I would say, first right. and foremost, right? I mean, right. they they put themselves out on the line and hang it out to dry for each other when they're right. deployed. Um, but you become a network over time. And, and I was in a unique circumstance that kind of speaks to my larger story, but I was a nomad at the time. I had just, uh-huh. several years before that, we had moved from the West Coast back to the East Coast. Um, and so I was in grad school. I was not fully enmeshed into the military community yet. So I really didn't know. Um, I had met several of the wives uh, that year prior, but they didn't know them well. They they knew each other much better, um, some of them, you know. And so there, I would say there were like some people who knew each other and were close, but they the guys themselves are, they're close. Like they're brothers. Yes. So they're, yeah. if something happens to one of them, they're going to step up and they'll be there for that family. And we see right. that time and time again, right? right. Um, but to have all of them gone, it's kind of like, right. now what? Right? And and you went to all of these funerals within... I did not go to all of them. I went to the ones that I could go to. Okay. But I mean, some of them were even on the same day. You know, it was impossible because you've got some oh people gosh. who are from other towns yeah. and they had to fly out. And so I went to the ones that I could go to. Um and then we had, you know, the funerals when we had the burials and, um, and it, it was a lot. And, you know, right. we had, um, we just, I realized as I was going through it, gosh, there, there are all these kids, you know, and all these women and what, how are we going to do this? Like, how do we, I don't even know how I do it. Like, right. how are they going to do life? And all these guys, I mean, you see these men who have lost all their friends, like, right. Yeah. There are other guys who are living, who went through training with them or did other work with them. Right. And they lost multitude of, I lost one person. They yeah. lost a number of people. Oh, yeah. And over the years, you know, I come to realize how many families we had lost. You know, I, I had heard about them, but I didn't know them personally. So these guys have lost people year after year after year. And so like my heart was breaking, not only for the families, but then also for these guys in our community. And I just wanted to help. I thought to myself, um, you know, I was thinking, I I spoke at my late husband's funeral and I remember thinking like, what do I want to tell people? And one of the messages I wanted to share was that all these guys were given gifts, right? Like God gives us all gifts and they put their gifts to use to serve. And, you know, I don't think, one of them would have had a regret about it. Um, they had short lives, but packed. They lived life. Um, so what was my, like, what was my gift? Um, and so I, I knew that I wanted everybody to realize that we have a purpose. We're called to do something. We have gifts. Um, and we need to use them. Like, we're put on earth for this much time. And we've got to put our gifts to use. Right. And um, 
I I made a promise that day to the other women that were going through this with me, like, I'm going to be there for you. Um, and I wanted to figure out a way to help them. So I started trying to figure out, like, who are these foundations that are supporting us? Who? What are these organizations? Like, how can I help? And I was reaching out to them going, hi, you know, I'm one of the ladies. <laughs> can I do? Can and you help I, us? Yes. Yeah. I was like, you know, I, I want, how can I help you, you know, help everybody else? What can I yeah. do? They were like, well, you, we just want to help you. you. You're fine. And I was like, no, really? Like, I'm, I definitely want to help. And I was in a place where at the time it didn't seem like a blessing, but now looking back, it was, I didn't have kids at right. the time. It seemed terrible. Um, cause I didn't have direction. I felt like I didn't have an identity anymore. I wasn't a spouse anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't have kids. Yeah. I was like, I'm in school. Do I want to go back to school? I don't know. I don't know what I'm doing, you know? Right. And so, but now I realize what a blessing it was because it gave me the freedom to help people and just yes. step up and be like, okay, well, what can I do? So I went and I spoke, I spoke at galas. I spoke at their fundraisers. I told their donors, like, this is so important what you're donating to these families. Like yeah. we're going to need this, you know? And, um, I answered any phone call from anybody who had questions about how to support. I, and so that's like these doors started opening for me. So yeah. like, God was kind of going here, Victoria, this is what you're going to do. Right. And, and it took a lot of time. I mean, my sister kind of teased me. She's like, you're like on the go getting, you know, doing this stuff, but that is what filled me and made me feel like I had purpose at that right. time. Well, um, in, in some ways it probably was a part of your grief, like a part yeah. of like, like this is, this is how I'm going to process where some yeah. people need to just like, retreat and you know you were like no I need to pour into and that was a part of your grief and honoring him you know yes yeah absolutely absolutely totally yeah Yeah. I mean I felt like this was going to give me purpose and give me direction and I didn't know where it was going to lead right but I knew that that's what felt right at the time right Right. You know, it felt, it felt good to me because I wanted to, I wanted to be there for these women who were becoming sisters to me. I mean, our bond, we were walking through this grief together and there, you know, there was a lot of us. So some of us became closer, you know, um, to each other, but we were, we were walking through it together, you know, and trying to figure out what does this look like and how do we navigate this journey? What did it look like for the, for the wives and the children how did they navigate yeah. the loss uh, I mean I don't know how they did yeah. I, I can tell you that that was I mean as any parent knows you just want your kids to be okay right yeah. I mean I can't yeah. tell you how many times I heard them say that I just want them to be okay um that was their biggest stressor it was how do I make sure my kids going to be okay? And, um, and I think that they wanted to surround their kids with love. And mm-hmm. so they wanted to make sure that there were people around them that were going to love on them and take care of them. And, um, and I know that, you know, for the people I was close to, we were, we were, you know, in church, we were doing, we were doing the things that we knew were going to take care of us. And um, we spent a lot of time, making sure that we were um, there for each other, but then also 
doing things that could help us cope in a way that we felt like were healthy. So we did try to like, we signed up for runs. We went, you know, we, there was one thing, um, one of the girl's husband's late husband was a triathlete. And so she somehow convinced us <laughs> that we should all do a triathlon. Oh, and <laughs> we were like, okay, what are we going to do? We have nothing else to do. Right. And so we decided to send this triathlon. I didn't know anything about triathlons. I mean, I had run before, but I didn't realize this was an Olympic triathlon. This was not some mini try. No. Like we had signed up for it. And I looked at the thing and I realized, oh, this is no kidding. Like this is a real deal thing. We've got to train for this. We can't just show up to this thing. Right. And, um, but that was like a, a thing for us to do. And it was fun for us to train together and yes. realize that, gosh, we have to do a swim in the, you know, the Potomac. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> terrible but we all did it and it was so wonderful and it was so good to support her and something she wanted to do to honor her husband and yes. her you know her kids were there cheering us on and um it's such a memory you know yes. it was so good to be there for each other and um and to do things that really like honored the guys and and lifted each other up when they needed it you know yes yeah. yes what did it look like for you personally to receive support like what was helpful for you yeah I um so I could say like I think that there there was this epiphany for me like there is this gap between what people need um the people who need support and the people who want to provide it and it can Mm -hmm. be a big gap right Mm -hmm. because it is so uncomfortable when we're looking at people who are really suffering and they're deep, like deep in the pit. Right. And all we want to do is help them, but we don't say, we don't know what to do. We're worried we're going to say the wrong thing. Um, And sometimes we do the wrong thing. Right. I mean, that happens. And so I realized because I had studied all this stuff, it was so interesting. I mean, I was reading about all this research in years prior to all this happening. I remember my advisor telling me on the phone, she goes, so you read all the stuff. What's real? What works? What doesn't? Isn't that such a God thing? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And so I remember being like, yeah, I mean, I'm, that's how I'm, I kind of felt like it was this out of, out of body thing. That's the way I was processing all of it. Like, okay, well, this is, they're providing me with all the instrumental tangible support right now. They're bringing the food, they're dropping by and, you know, bringing by all these like things that we need. I mean, my car broke down. So it's going to come over, send somebody over to fix it. Right. You know, all of these instrumental things are really easy in the beginning because they're things we can do. Mm-hmm. It's so much harder doing the emotional stuff. Oh yeah. Yeah. And that's so difficult. Um, our culture is not really good at it. And so in the beginning, you know, there are people that were there and gosh, I had some people that were there constantly. I don't even know how they took off work for that long. Uh, you know, came over and spent time with me. I, stay, I stayed at my parents' house. My dad passed away um, about five years before that. Mm-hmm. And so my mom was still at our childhood house. And so I, I just kind of moved in there because I didn't want to be alone. I mean, I was right. Myself, right. So I moved in there, my dog. And, um, and so my sister, I mean, my sister, she did everything, like everything for me. Um, and like everybody has their person, you know, she was, she was my person. She got on the calls with me. Um, she did, she went to all those speaking events. Like 
if, if I could bring somebody and she could leave her kids, she was the person sitting there with me. Because um, walking, walking to something alone or attending anything where you're used to being with your person, you know, your spouse, and realizing that you don't have that is like terrifying. Yeah. Um. So she was she was there for me. Um. And you know all the the little things that you have to do. I mean the mountains of you know, and I know I mean you lost your mom. Like the yeah. the things you have to deal with as a family after loss. There's all the administrative things too, oh, and that yeah. just oh, breaks yeah. your heart getting on the phone going, I have to cancel this. I don't need this insurance anymore. I don't need right. it. They're like, oh, do you have a death certificate? You know, it just kind of breaks your heart open over and over and uh-huh. over again. It's exhausting. Yeah. Um. So the tangible stuff is so important in the beginning, and um, I don't want to downplay that, but I guess the epiphany I had is that there's that gap because everybody goes back to their lives, and they do. They do. They have to, and it yeah. makes sense, right? But then these people continue to lead life, lead life without their loved ones mm-hmm. every day. And there's a constant reminder that their life is not what it used to be. Yeah. And um, whether on the human to human side, like one-to-one as a friend or a supporter of somebody who's lost somebody, you're kind of like, well, I don't know, what am I supposed to do? You know, it, it's been four months, they're back at work. They seem like they're holding it together. Grief is this, it's a long game. I mean, it is 100%, Yeah, you know, and so there are days that, yeah, they're going to have amazing, great days, but they're also going to have moments, you know, and I think that something that people forget is there are opportunities throughout that journey. I don't care how many years it's been. And I mean, institutionally, I know you know that I work with these foundations that support surviving families. And that's something that I tell them, too. There's a gap between what you're understanding of the support needs are and what these people actually need. Yes. And you might be helping them at that first year post-loss, which is a devastating time because people are paralyzed. I mean, it is right. so hard and that I, I don't even want to put benchmarks on the years, but that early part. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that down the road, they don't still need support. Right. Because they do. And right. if we don't think that they do, we're not asking the right questions. Right. Yeah. Um. And so, I mean, there, there was this instance where I went to, um, there was a event that they were hosting once the guys came back from deployment. So the unit that they were all in, they were returning from the deployment and they were hosting an event. And it was so generous of them to want to invite those of us who had lost their mm-hmm. husband because they're not obligated to. Um, it's, it's odd to think about, but you know, once, once you lose somebody in the military, they're not part of that unit anymore, right? They're right. not active duty. So structurally, they can't be part of that unit. Right? It just doesn't make sense. So they were gracious enough to invite us to this um, event. And I think it was the right thing to do. Um, we were excited to, to see these guys mm-hmm. that were overseas with them. Um, and, you know, we, we wanted to go. And I can't imagine the amount of planning they put in, not just for all the families that were going to this event who were reuniting with their um, loved ones, you know, or they had already reunited, but going together, but yeah, also to welcome us into it too. I know that I know the people that planned it. I know that they tried to be so careful about how can we make this a, a wonderful space for them? How can we make sure that they're, the kids are welcome, the spouses are included and, you know, whatnot. And so imagine, you know, you go, you're 
these guys are gone all the time. I mean, I can't even tell you how often these guys are gone. They're gone all the time. Yeah. So these kids, whether it's training or deployment, the kids are always hanging off their daddy's arms, right? You can imagine oh. like little monkeys, right? Mm-hmm. And so you imagine these little monkeys hanging off their kids' arms, you know, the squealing, the laughter. They're all together as a family. The wives are like holding their husband's hands. The husbands have their arms around their spouses. Um, and that makes sense to you, right? Because these are families. They don't get to spend a lot of time together. Um, but then, you know, we walk in mm. and we're going to this event and imagine you just lost your spouse and you walk into this room and you see these families loving on each other. Mm-hmm. And you look at the kids with their dads and you look at the spouses, the wives with their husbands and you're like, that's not my life anymore. I know. Yeah. And it was like. I think all of us, our breaths, I mean, it was just like our breath was taken away because they certainly did not intend for us to feel that, right? That is the reality no, of what no. we have to experience yeah. living life again. Um, but as a, you know, when you're planning these things, it takes so much time and energy to think about what is the experience going to be like for these families? How can we... How can we make this a safe space for them? And and that's what, you know, that that actual instance, I would say, is the event, is the experience where I felt like I need to kind of speak up and tell people, like, we need to plan better for this. Wow. Because yeah. we need to know that these women don't feel like they belong anymore. And there yeah. is a space for them, but how do we make that space? And, yeah. you know, and it wasn't until a couple months later, Ivy, that another door opened for me and they hired me to work in the military community to create those formal programs and to work with the foundations to build these spaces for the Gold Star family. Right. And to like make them feel like they had something that was theirs where they could go and they could feel welcome. And it wasn't just a tag along opportunity. Right. Right. Yeah. Which no one like you had to have experienced it in order to be able to plan something or think about it. Yeah. I mean, I know. I think that's why you were a perfect person to step into this role, because Mm -hmm. you're like, I've walked through, you know, like I, I can see the gaps here, you know. Right. Right. And I mean, it wasn't that I walked in every single person's shoes. I did not have my own children. Right. And so that was a huge part of it. But I think what I did have was the, um, the really, like I was being, I was in tune to all the sensitivities that people were facing. Right. And, um, and I, I wanted to take the time to make sure that we could make it as good and as productive as an experience as possible. Whatever we were building, whatever we were doing, it was like taking the time to connect with each family and understanding what what do you need? What are you going through? What are your struggles? And, and if there, you know, if there was resistance there, trying to understand what that resistance was, not just being like, okay, well, (laughs) you know, we're out. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Tell me what you do need then. Yeah. So, I mean, I did that for like five years and I I worked with these foundations and built some amazing programs that were incredible. And it, it thrived because what it did was created a space for the families to feel a sense of belonging and to commune with one another. 
Um, but it also created an opportunity for those foundations to really build a relationship with the families. Yeah. And it created a space for the supporters. Because that's, remember I talked about the gap of like, what yes. do we do? What do we do? What do we do? Yes. It created a space where we could say, this is where we want you to come in and support. Yes. Not just having them try to figure it out all on their own. Because mm-hmm. that's so hard. Right. So we and gave it them- may not actually be helpful. You're throwing right. money or something, your time towards yeah. something that's actually not helping. Yeah. Yeah. And people have good intention. I mean, all these foundations and organizations, all the people in the world, everybody that walked through my door, you know, after my loss had the best of intentions. I know they did. I know in yes. my heart, they all have the best of intentions, but you can't know what you don't take the time to figure out. Right. right and right. that's kind of been like my big thing is, you know, these families are so fragile. They're so fragile, especially in the beginning, but even years out, um, there was another family who they lost their loved one in like 2001 uh-huh. and the the kids were very, very young when they lost their dad. Um, and our loss was in 2011. I didn't get hired to the end of 2012 and it starts in 2013 or the programs really didn't start till like 2013 ish. Um, so it had been over decades since that family had right. some like institutional support. They had friends, uh, they had friends and family and people supporting them, but like programmatic support where it was like, how's your family doing? What's going on? And I remember her being like, we're good. You know, we're good. I was like, yeah. well, what's, you know, <laughs> tell me about your family. Tell me what's going on. And that was something we owed them. We owed them figuring out how we could support them, not to just go, well, they look okay. Right. They've they figured it out, right? Right, 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 I mean, right. All these people made them promises so many years ago. We're going to be here for your family. We're going to support you. We're going to, you know, do what we can. And I feel like when we make those promises, we have to keep them. Right, right. Um. So, yeah. So when you talked to them, did were you able to get like something yeah. they actually needed? Well, and it's not so much that they're like, I need this one thing. I mean, sometimes it is, right? right? But it's understanding where people are at in life and thinking, what can I give you that's not just going to be a distraction, but like a tool or a skill or a, you know, something that's going to help you on your journey yeah, and help you move forward and feel like they're the people who said that they're behind you, they're still behind you. And right. we want, we want to pour into you. And right. so, yeah, there were those life stage they're at, they were teenagers. And teenage years are hard. And so it was giving them that support, like a, a new community of support. We were, we were expanding their network, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, they're awesome. I can't imagine them having not been part of that group because they were like, well, we've done this for so many years without it. We're good. You know, I just, I feel like we owe it to people right. as as humans, as Christians, as people, as nonprofits who say like, I, this is our mission. Right. You can't just ignore the people who don't raise their hand and ask for help. Huh? Yeah. Um, will you talk about what you do now? I feel like yeah. so you did that for five years. I mm-hmm. want to hear about what, yeah. what you do now. <clears throat> so I, um, I left that job. Um, I left it in the care of an incredible human who um, I knew was going to pour into it and it was going to thrive um, with her and she has done amazing things. And um, a couple of the foundations that I worked with previously called me afterwards and said, would you still be willing to work 
kind of as a contractor for us on some of these programs that we started together, yeah. would you be able to lead them? And I thought, well, that's awesome. <laughs> yes, I would love to. Sure. <laughs> Why yeah. not? And, and I had to finish my, you know, I took time, all that time off from my degree. I felt the clock was ticking, yes. you know, for your PhD, they only give you so many years before you have to finish. So I was like, well, I still right. finish my dissertation, but yeah, I can do this. Right. And so I finished that. And then I, um, I started working for these foundations and I thought, I realized that where my passion was. I loved, I felt like that was also where my gifts were. My gifts were in learning about what families need and like connecting with them and then working with organizations to, you know, align it with their mission and their needs and, and just kind of find perfect marriage and fit. And so I worked on those programs, but then I felt like, um, cause it kind of started off where I was like, well, I want to help these families that because husbands died with my husband. Right. And then I was like, well, there's all these other families. Look at all yeah. these other families in our community, you know, and somehow the door opened for me to help all of those families. And That's so cool. then, yeah. you know, my journey evolved and I started my own family and I was like, I need to step away. I need to finish my degree. I have my own family. And I um, was asked, this door opened, like, would you want to keep being involved? And I was like, yeah. But then I felt like, what about all these other military communities? What are they doing? <laughs> What's going on over there? Yes. And, um, and that's when I started my company because I thought, you know, I want to, I want to see who else wants to grow their support. I want to see who, what other foundations are like, you know, I, I forget what the number is. There's like over a million nonprofits in our country or something like that. It's well, like that's what I was going to ask. Like how, who, what are, like, is it just tons of foundations that have so, anywhere from tons of money to. Right. I mean, know. so the larger foundations, like, they've got their own staff, they've got, uh -huh. they and they've got their mission and they're usually pretty functional and, you know, able to like, um, pour into these programs. And I haven't, I, I don't know, you know, exactly how they're, they're working, but it's these smaller to mid-sized ones that are, they're so lean, right. They're, right. they're making money, um, from these donors that want to help specific communities, right? Specific military communities, whether gotcha. it's a unit or, you know, first responders from one particular area or whatever. And, but they raise the money and then they, they've only got like a staff of, you know, one, one paid staff. Right. I can't imagine how stressful that is. Like the fact that they have to do some pro, whatever program their mission is, they're doing that program and then they're trying to be the liaison to the families and then they're reporting to the board and then they're doing all this admin stuff, right? It's overwhelming. And so- right what I've come to realize with working with some of these foundations is like they can't they can't grow they can't they don't have the time in the day to connect with the families in the way they would need to in order to create a program that actually um, builds community and builds the connection in Got a way it. that you really get to know the family Got it yeah and in order to do that you you gotta have help and so that that was what I wanted to do I wanted to be this kind of like front end, almost consultant to these foundations go, let me, let me take this off your plate. You, yeah. if you want to grow and connect with your families, like, let me show you what my framework and what I've done in the past and let me help you. And, um, and so it's been, it's been a journey. I mean, it's, I get to learn new military communities and what they're about and their families. I've gotten to meet some of these families. Um, and so it's different for me because it's not like, in my backyard, right? These are like different people who have had different types of losses and journeys. Right. But, um, but I felt like that's what I was called to. And so I, yeah. that's what I want to do. Yeah. 
Well, and it's so cool. It's like your your education and the research you've done with your experience. And I mean, just like how all of those things have melded together in a way that you could never have planned. No. You know? No. Yeah. Um, Okay. I'm kind of curious. I understand everybody's loss is unique and, you know, there's no, no one's loss is identical. Right. But I'm curious if in your conversations and relationships and do you see major themes that people need? Hmm. Well, I mean, I think that like a major theme that I would point out of, you know, regardless of loss type or, um, or even family relationships, whether it's uh-huh. your spouse, your sibling, your parents, because we, we ended up creating programs for the parents of the service members too, because not wow. all of them were married, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, their siblings, right? Sibling loss is like for siblings, it's it's really hard because you almost look overlooked sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, because they look at the spouse, they look at the parents, and siblings are like, that was my best friend, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we created programs for siblings. So I would say, regardless of the, the relationship type, I think that what's really important to people is that their loved ones not forgotten. Oh. I mean, and and that's what's when I talk about the long game. When you're there in their face, they know that they're not forgotten. But mm-hmm. when those when those things fade away over time, I think deep down, you know, like, okay, well, those closest to us, no, he's mm-hmm. not forgotten, right? Mm-hmm. He's not forgotten. But how are we reminding them of that? Yeah. Is it, and maybe it's, you know, I, you and I, we could do like a separate Instagram live or something one day where we, you know, but there's little things you can do. There are right. people who have who've done such a beautiful job of reminding me through the years of little things, um, yeah. things that my friends have experienced. But I think that's a huge one because that's all, you know, you don't want, you don't want, they're, they're already gone from this earth. Yeah. You think about them. Yeah. You want to know other people think about other, them too. Yeah. yeah. Which is a good natural transition to, for, for civilians, us normal people. (laughs) What does it look like for us to support families? Like, you know, like through things like Memorial Day, what does that Mm -hmm. look like for us to help our kids think about these things in a helpful, meaningful way for us? Like, I'll just be honest, like, because I don't have, I don't have like a personal experience with like, you know, loss through military, like often Memorial Day for me can just feel like another holiday. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, no, I do. It's a day I mean, of I work, would, you know? Uh, so I, I want to know how to do this in a way that's helpful and meaningful. Right. And so I'll be honest with you before my loss, I, I was in the Marine Corps for six years. Uh-huh. I, so I served and I was, part of an active duty family memorial day was the same for me like yeah. i we were like barbecues put on red white and blue go yeah. usa you know show up for the parade like I, party yeah, yeah all the things yeah, yeah. right and and i would say that there is not one i mean not one person i know who's passed um in the military who wouldn't want us to enjoy our time with family and friends right. and as a community on memorial day like that like enjoying our freedoms like that is what makes the guys looking down from up above happy, right? Aww. Like, but for the families who are left behind, Memorial Day is that reminder yeah. of 
you're lost. And and it's the one we have one day that our country set aside for recognizing the loss of these guys. Yeah. And and it's Memorial Day. And yeah. and it's been commercialized and it's been forgotten. And um and that for our families that have lost somebody, every day is their Memorial Day. Yeah. And so doing things to honor those and uh-huh. understand that that uh-huh. is what that day is for is so important. And it's so one is the education of it. Like, hey, Memorial Day is this is what this day is about. It's not Veterans Day. Veterans Day is for those who have served, right? Thank right. you, those people who have served. Right. Memorial Day is about honoring and remembering that people have died for our country and in acknowledging that and supporting those families who are left right. behind. Right. And um for us, I mean, I remember in 2012, the first Memorial Day where we were like, well, where do again, where do we belong? Where's yeah. our space? Yeah. You know, like what what are people doing for Memorial Day? And there were the barbecues, there were, you know, there were all the things that we normally did, but that didn't feel right anymore. Uh-huh. Um, so there was four of us that decided after that first Memorial Day, we, we were gonna create the space. We were gonna figure it out. We built um a race in our community mm. where the proceeds were gonna go to a foundation that supported families of the fallen. And we had I mean, we had no idea what we were doing. <laughs> it was like <laughs> Like, we're gonna do this, <laughs> and we. It was a labor of love. It has been a labor of love, but we. The first year, we had like three hundred something people come. Oh my gosh! And it was beautiful. I mean, the flats and and we. So we did. We celebrated life, right? We enjoyed each other's company, but we yes. did it while we were honoring. That's good. These loved ones and these families, and we were giving back to organizations to support other people, and and it felt like the perfect space and. Um, and it gave that room for those the rest of the community who didn't know how to support on Memorial Day to be like, we're here with you. You know, yeah. like, this is where we're going to be. And right. we've done that race every year, except for two years because of COVID. I beat, um, and we have raised, I think it was over $150,000. Oh, my gosh. Since we started it for, for different foundations over the years. Yeah. Um, and so, so we reopened it this year again. Yeah. Uh, I'm. Would you say, because you are have are more connected with these mm-hmm. foundations and things like signing up for a race or doing something like that. It actually does something. Yeah. I think okay. so. I mean, not, yeah. You know. Because you're, you're, you're educating the people who uh-huh. are in your circle that you are doing something for a purpose, right? Okay. Like yeah. when I say like, you know, what's your purpose? How do you give back? How do you serve? It doesn't have to be this grand. You want to start a race. <laughs> you can support people by going to the race. You can support people by going, Hey, like what, what are you doing for Memorial day? We're going to go do this thing. Or yeah. we decided to volunteer for this organization or raise yeah. money for them. And one of the things on my Instagram that I'm doing this month is I'm highlighting foundations that are oh, doing cool. things for Memorial day so that people can learn like, Hey, what is Memorial day? And how do I give back? How do yes. I support these families? Yes. Because, um, yeah, not everybody knows a military family. I get that. You know, but you can still sign up and support in different ways. That's so good. Yeah. So you have little kids now. How do yeah. you talk to them about this? Yeah. So, I mean, we we just tell them, like, hey, Memorial I remember it was a couple weeks ago. Uh, we reminded them Memorial Day is coming up. And they were like, well, that's the, the holiday for the soldiers. And we're like, well, it's specifically for people who went to heaven because they were fighting for our country and you know and it's hard they're they're young so it's hard to explain without scaring them about the natures of war and you know um right what that looks like but just kind of plainly told them like people they were they were fighting against the bad guys and 
They were serving our country to protect all of us and they're in heaven now. And yeah. um, we want to, we want to remember them because they did such a good job and such a good thing. And, um, and they know, like my kids know that they've got my friends, kids whose daddies are in heaven. Mm-hmm. And so they can put, they can put names to it and faces to it. Um, but it's, you know, they get excited about mommy's race and, you know, yeah. um, and yeah. it is like, Everybody should enjoy Memorial Day. It's not there's no shame in the fact that you might not have thought about it in years past. You should yeah. enjoy it. But yeah. But my my goal is to educate people about right. you know what it means and, and what it's like for a family to walk right. into that to that day. Um Yeah. Well and I think for me as a mom, like my heart hearing your story and the relationships, like my heart can't help but be stirred for these children who don't have a dad anymore yeah. or these yeah. women that don't have a husband anymore. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. and regard your heart is stirred for that regardless, but then mm-hmm. to think that they died because they were doing something like fighting for me to be able to live in a country mm-hmm. where I get to like be safe. You know, like, uh, I think it matters for us to be people that um, do something to show those children and those spouses, like, we appreciate and we we care. You know, we we think about you. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, Absolutely. And And the kids, when they show up to the race, the kids of guys who passed, and not just, I mean, our our race has grown to over a thousand people. Or oh my gosh. English is around a thousand the last time we did in 2019. So we're hoping it grows even more this year. But yeah. the kids whose dads have passed, um, not just in our tragedy, but over the years, and they show up and they see how big this thing is. You know, they see all these people who've come out and, and they think of it as their race and it is their race. And that's <laughs> the cool thing. Like Memorial Day is important to me, not just because of my loss, right. but it's because it's for everybody. Right, yeah. it's everybody's loss, and so these kids are like, all these people are here for us. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Here for us and my dad, and, yeah. and your dad, and your dad, and and so, you know, I'll I'll give you the the race link so for Instagram, so you can put it. In your yes, if you want. but yes, like we've got pictures from our race, and these kids are amped. I mean, they're training this year. <laughs> they're like, I'm going to beat you, um, and it's for, and they know they're raising money for other kids and other families. You know, mm-hmm. they get. They get that. And you and I've talked about like how after loss and after suffering, you had this bandwidth of emotions. Yeah. You, like understand the duality of like, I can be happy and sad. Right. 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 Um, and I can feel the loss, but still feel gratitude for yes. all the blessings that I've had afterwards. You can yeah. have all those things. Um, and so, you know, they're, these kids are, they're thriving. They're doing great, but they still need to be reminded that people care and they love them. Yeah. And, they're supporting them. Yeah. Um, even though they're all doing, they're doing really well, but they still need to be reminded. Yeah. That's good. Um, last question. Yeah. How have you seen God through this journey? Oh my God. There's been a lot of pain in there. A lot of pain yeah. and suffering. Yeah. But I he's mean, also worked. So how have you seen him? I, I think looking back, it's so clear. Like, all these little things that happened even before the loss of just kind of tugs. I felt like little tugs on my heart a little bit. And then where, you know, you need to move 
Well, I mean, just like, just like, hey, I'm. I remember calling my sister, going, "I'm going to take this job to support all the families," and she was like, "You're in the middle of your PhD work." <laughs> really hard. Are you sure like, it's this okay. is good Yeah, yeah. I was like, "It's okay." I mean, I can't tell you how many people told me it, it might not be a good idea for me to do it. It would be too emotionally hard. Um, I mean, people that were friends with my husband, family members, just kind of like saying, don't think so. And it was very clear to me that that's what I needed to do. Yeah. Um, I felt yeah, like that a was a total God thing. Oh, that was a God yeah. thing. God was like, here's the door, go, you know? Yeah. And, yeah. and I feel like so many blessings and people were put in my path at just the right time mm. when I needed them. And, and least like maybe most important of that were these other women like mm. what a tragedy to lose so many people mm. but we've talked about this a gazillion times we feel so blessed to have been able to walk through this with each other oh like, yeah I, I mean I, I wouldn't I wouldn't I don't know what I would have done you know yeah. <laughs> we just they were we were there for each other in the worst of times um the best of times there's like some of them, their kids are graduating this year. Um, their kids are remarkable. They taught me about being a good mother and just all these things. And so all the blessings, like every step of the way, you know, yeah. I feel like my relationship with God has grown exponentially. There's still so much I have to learn and um, to do, you know, I've, I've got work to do on that, but yeah, I, it's huge. I mean, I've just been, I've been given so much, you know, yeah. and who knows what the future holds, but that's another thing I've learned is that I'm not in control of it. So yeah. I don't have to worry about that, you know? Yeah. Um, so I, I mean, it's pretty incredible. I feel like my, my story is kind of a clear indication of, you know, when God wants things to happen, he's gonna, he's gonna make them happen. Right. Right. <laughs> and, and if, you know, you pray on it and you believe um, that, you know, things will fall into place the way they need to. Right. Um, so, right. yeah. And he can take the dark, really hard parts oh, of yeah. our stories and make them really beautiful and good, you know? Oh, yeah. I mean, the, oh. the gratitude, I feel like I can, um, I can see so much more of the blessings that maybe I would have overlooked in the past. And huh. I feel like I'm, I hope, and it's not every day, gosh, I'm not perfect. I don't want oh, anybody to think. No, <laughs> yeah. I hope that I'm quicker to look at the silver lining of situation hmm. and to look for those blessings, even when it looks terrible and not to be a Pollyanna about it, about it but just to go, you know what? There is a purpose. And and that is hard to hear when you are really struggling that right. there might be a purpose to your pain. Right. But I do believe it. Right. Um, oh yeah. yeah. So you know, you have to you have to be tender with people um when they're in the middle of their pain. But but when they come to, you know, get to a less tender place, um, it's a little bit easier to maybe talk to them about what that purpose might be. Yeah. That's good. I hope that people feel the invitation to kind of ask themselves, can I do more? You know, what else can I do? Especially for people, if you've known somebody who's dealt with something in the past, 
just because they're they look okay and they're not asking for help doesn't mean you don't need to the, the question isn't what can i do for you it shouldn't be that the question should be when can you meet for coffee when can we spend some time together so you can talk with them and connect to them and find out what's going on and how you can serve them i was at my son's baseball game and had a conversation with a dad who was a navy seal I was asking him about what his family does for Memorial Day, asking the question, so how can our family approach Memorial Day in a meaningful way? I actually should probably have him on here one day, but I'm going to try to kind of describe what he said. He was like, you asking the question right now is one way you're doing that. And he said, when people say, thank you for your service to me. What I want to reply with, and honestly, he's kind of old, so I think he he has actually said this, <laughs> is, you know how you can honor my buddies that have died, who have lost limbs, who have lost eyes in service, by being a good human. Live a life worthy of someone dying for. I teared up. He said, I don't know what that looks like for each individual, but do what you can do to make this world a better place. And I thought it was interesting that it sounds kind of similar to what Victoria said at her husband's funeral. These guys live their lives to the fullest. They did what they could with the gifts they've been given to make our world a better place. It's our turn to do the same. And it's that heart and passion that has propelled Victoria to spend her life's work helping families navigate their grief and have the tools they need to move forward. And as we approach Memorial Day, have a great day with your family, make memories, have fun. However, take time to acknowledge that brave people have gone before you, fought for you served so that you can live this life and live it to the fullest. And when I say that, I mean, what gifts, abilities, talents do you have and live your life in a way that matters? How can you make this world that we live in a better place and do it, do it? I appreciate you for listening, and I hope this sharpened you, gave you a new perspective. Um, And would you share this with a friend? I I feel like this is a message that needs to be shared. Um, And what would be really helpful to me as this podcaster is to rate or review on whatever podcast platform you're listening to and subscribe so that you don't miss an episode. Thank you, and I will talk to you next time.